0: Just take your right hand, place it over your heart this morning. Father, in this place today, we, we just determine in our spirit, with all of our heart, to receive from you today. We know, Lord, that you have a word for us, that you have uh, Ken and Cheryl here with great purpose today. That designed for them to be here and that Lord we're not here by accident those watching are not watching by accident but God your providential hand is directing us and Father we just ask today that Lord we would have ears to hear and hearts to receive and believe that Father we would be attentive to your word that Father we would be attentive to your spirit that Father you would speak to us today we acknowledge you You, Father, we acknowledge you, Son. We acknowledge you, Holy Spirit. Reign in this place today and in our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you so much, worship team, this morning. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, it is good to have the Holy Father Apostle, Reverend Bishop, Ken Gill with us today. Ken has been a part of this church family, really, from the beginning. The first year we were back at the school, uh, Ken gave me a call. I didn't know him all that well. and He just said, you know, Is there any, could we get together for coffee? Anything I could do to be an encouragement or blessing to you? And I said, well, you know, he said, you know, I, I could speak for you, do anything you like. And uh, just, but I want to just be with you. And I said, well, you, you sure? Like, because you could, you know, he used to pastor at Calvary. I said, you could be up there up the road. And uh, he said, no, no, I'd rather be with uh, the, the young guys planting the churches, doing that kind of thing. And I said, well, then, sir, come on down. so, uh, and he was with us that first year we were at Dead Streams and with us every year since. I, is there any year you haven't been here? Just one? Just one over 25 years. That's pretty good, isn't it? Isn't that good? So Ken is, Ken is really, yeah, come on now. He's not a visitor, he's family. So that means he's allowed to talk to us like a papa today, all right? So that means, uh, you know, papas can tell us things that other people can't. So you got to listen this morning with your heart, with your spirit, and be prepared to receive from a papa today in the house, amen? And so let's give our hearts and our full attention to Kenzie shares word with us this morning.
1: here. There we go. Wonderful things happen when we get in touch with the power. Is that not true? But beautiful. Good to see friends and family and uh, great to see my one of my most favorite people in the world. I used to tell her that all the time when I lived here in Belleville was Sandra and she married that guy Ray Young. And so good to see you this morning. I just had to say. shout out to you today. It's a blessing to see you. The whole young family uh, mean a whole lot to us from what God was doing in our city at that time amongst many people and many lives being changed and transformed by the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we're very grateful for all those things that, that happen in people's lives. There's a couple of things I'd like to say to you today, and that is this. Number one, is I wanna thank everyone who was a full participant in our first online school of the Apostolic. Thank you for joining with us. Uh, Kevin and Sherry were participating with us. It happened about a month ago this weekend. We did a two-day school. You didn't get a chance to be a part of it. Uh, We are now getting everything ready to send it out to everybody who was a participant we had about 88 people register for the school, which was fantastic, and well over 140 people were watching in, in living rooms and whatnot, helping us understand what it means to become an apostolic people. If God is doing anything in the 21st century, He is shifting us to live and function as a people of faith, and as an apostolic people in the 21st century. And he wants to raise us up as an apostolic people. The first thing he needed to do was restore the prophetic, and then restore the apostolic, so apostles and prophets can walk together to see the kingdom of God extended. And then we, apostles and prophets, we are believing for the full restoration of the evangelist. And I've said to the Lord many times, I cannot die until that gift is fully restored to your church and we get the forward movement gifts in their proper order and operating and functioning the way God designed it to be. So we're going to do another school, the Lord willing, at the end of November. So we welcome you to join with us and find yourself being nurtured, educated, and uh, growing in these kinds of things. The second thing is this. A number of years ago, Kevin asked me if I would go with him to Central America. So would you come with me to Costa Rica? I said, absolutely, I'll come. He said, well, you want to pray about it? And I said, not really, because God's told me to go. Uh, so I just go. I don't need to pray about going. When God tells you to do something, you don't pray about doing it. It's like he tells me to tithe. I don't pray about tithing. I just tithe. And he tells me to give. I just give because we're, we're under his authority. And he's not trying to conjole us to do anything. Rather, as sons and daughters of God, when he asks us to do something, we just do it. So he's told me five times to go. So my uh, thing is, with whom and uh, where? So he said, Costa Rica. So we went to Costa Rica together and we had a blast. Barry and Kevin and I and a bunch of other people. And then we met a young Nicaraguan there. He said, well, you guys come to Nicaragua. So he said, will you come to me to Nicaragua now? Since Kevin uh, took me there, I've been there fifteen times, and so uh, our heart is pretty tight with Carlos and Louisa. Amen. Is that not true? And we brought them on to uh, our uh, we do a once a month Ripple Network call with everybody. We brought them on to introduce them to everyone because they're intoxicating people, and you guys have had a tremendous impact in that nation and over those people. And I want to commend you. As an apostolic center, to not stop doing what you've been doing, but rather up the ante—is that not true? Now, of course, you know we're not flying uh, many places these days. So long as I've been on the ground in 40 years, can you believe it? And uh, but uh, we came here. We we're going to drive. Then we decided to fly, and and so we flew here to Ontario and we're driving th- throughout the province. But the second thing I want to say, thank you too, because I've been a participant in it with you is that we together have successfully put a beautiful young woman through four years of university. Amen. And I just want to bless you for that, man. We together, I think Kevin and I, we've kind of uh, bored the lion's share of, of seeing this happen, but Barry was there and Glenn was there and we felt we need to invest in this woman and believe God. And Barry, she's just graduated. She just sent me her graduation certificate. I don't know if you've shown it to the people yet, but I've got it to show it to you, but I can't get it up. But she sent it to us, her mom and dad. uh, She wrote us a beautiful letter to everybody that supported. Mom and dad contacted me this week. Uh, She's not been able to get home. She's still in uh, Florida, cannot get back to Nicaragua. So uh, she's not knowing what to do. So I think she's going to journey on in her masters. Anyways, the Lord knows all these things. But uh, I just want to commend you. that The Lord has helped us. We're talking about uh, 85000 Canadian dollars that we've been able to see raised to, to put this person through an American educational system. Uh, just to add 30% or take 35% away every time we do the exchange. But I wanted to say thank you this morning because this is a life invested in, we believe, a woman of God that is going to help shape her environment in the beautiful country of Nicaragua, amen? So uh, I hope you can receive that today. I got my wife of, how many years we've been married? Three, I think, or something like that. Uh, 46 years, Cheryl's with me here today, and it's great to be with you. I wanna, uh, I said to Kevin, what do you want me to speak on? He said, the platform. I said, okay. He was really vague with any kind of direction. And I said, what do you want to preach on? He said, on a subject. I said, you're even more vague there. He said, whatever God's put in your heart. So what he does is he takes the pressure off himself and he puts it back here. So I have to go to God and say, okay, God, he's put the pressure back on me. What do you want to say to these people? Because I don't have an agenda for you. I just love you. But we are living in very interesting times. Is there an amen in the room? Very interesting As a matter of fact, none of us have ever lived through a global pandemic. I was on a Zoom call a couple of weeks ago, and I was made to understand that this pandemic has affected 206 nation and territories. So this is a global pandemic. And really, the, the serious matter we're dealing with here is not really the COVID virus, the flu virus, 19. It's the fear that goes along with it. Our nations are being paralyzed by fear. Our government is being paralyzed by fear. Our medical system, our educational system, being literally plagued and paralyzed by a spirit of fear. Now, for those of us in the room, he's not given to us the spirit of fear. But guess what? We're not leading. We're sitting back on our butt. And have very little influence in culture. And it's time for that thing to shift. And that's where we, the body of Christ, have got to move from light and salt to leaven. Yes. Right. You say, well, Ken, that sounds awfully straight and harsh. It's not meant to be, nor is it harsh. May I ask you a question? Have we been infiltrated, yes or no? Yes. That's what leaven does. Leaven infiltrates the entire loaf it permeates the loaf. So are we being infiltrated? Is evil infiltrating culture? Yes or no. It's not maybe, I don't think so. It's one or the other. So we have some choices to make as to how we're going to live our lives as men and women of God in this kind of a culture. And God doesn't want any one of us to be paralyzed by fear. Is that not true? One of our young guys, when, uh, The pandemic was just, uh, the declaration was happening. He felt God say to him, God wants me to write a book. Never written a book. So he's written a book now and uh, I've just read it through a couple times. It's called the fear pandemic because that's what's paralyzing our culture. Flu cycles come and go. What we need to do is have scientists agree on their own science. This is what needs to happen. Get them all in a room and agree on their own science, what they've proven to be true and what is not true. So we are living in these days and we're trying to find our way through this muddle and how to stick handle or how to navigate as a people of God through this time without being crass or uh, insolent or anything like that to cooperate. But at, at a point, at a point, I don't know if that point has come yet, But I think something's got to happen with the body of Christ. And I'll let you try to figure out uh, what that is. And uh, maybe I'll have some things to say on that this morning. But Proverbs chapter 21, verse number 8. It's been a very important scripture in my life as a Christian. And very important to me as a servant of the Lord. And very important to me as a mouthpiece. Because God has... uh, given us the word of God that we might speak it and preach it and declare it. Is that not true? Uh, You've maybe heard me say many times that the apostles would be still alive today had they not opened their mouths. I say that tongue in cheek. They lost their lives for opening their mouths. And what we have in the Christian church in North America is a thing called silent discipleship. And that's why very few people are coming to Christ, because we're failing to open up our mouth. Romans chapter 10 gives us the indicators and uh, some of the things that we've gotta do. How can they hear unless somebody is sent to preach to them? Is that not true? And that's you and I that God has given us two ears, a mouth, a mind. He's given us two eyes. He's given us the faculties whereby we can understand the word of God and then we, under God, have a mandate to declare the word of God. This message comes to you today from a biblical worldview. So what have we got right now happening in our cities and in our culture? We have a collision of worldviews. And if you do not comprehend that nor understand that, you will not know how to make your way through this season. But there's a collision of views. One would be a biblical worldview... The other would be a non-biblical worldview, or a secular worldview. I'm not preaching this message from a secular point of view. I'm declaring this word this morning from a biblical point of view. How many understand what I've just said? A number of years ago, I stopped calling the Bible the Bible. I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, call it what I call it. And it's the Holy Scriptures is what they are the holy script that's been given by God to us and that is our authority when he rose from the dead he opened up the scriptures and showed himself to the two men on the road to emmaus and it's time for you and i to open up the scriptures and say i'm coming into alignment with the Word of God. I've got to know who I am, I've got to know whose I am, and I've got to know who am I properly aligned with. Well, the first thing I want to make a declaration is I'm in alignment with God's Word. See, we've got to take the Word of God and put it right above our heads. Is that not true? And say, Father, I'm coming into alignment. My dad would say, not only you put it over your head, you put it down on the floor and you say, it's the word my father's fought for. It's the word my father's died for. It's the word of God. And I'm standing on the word of God. So not only, and that's not disrespectful, but this is a good leather cover. I'm going to open it up again. But the word of God has got to be our compass in these days. Is that not true? See, we've gone off the map. We don't even use Rand McNally map books anymore. Is that not true? We just take out our phone and we've got a compass right here in our phone. Is that not true? We've gone off the map, church. We're now in compass territory. And that's why apostolic and prophetic leaders love it. Because it gives a way for the, the, uh, the adventure that he's placed in our heart as to where is he taking his people in this season. <laughs> oh, I guess you're not as excited as I am anyways. <laughs> but the bottom line is, uh, you, know, you know, I never thought I'd see it in my lifetime, but did you know that the Word of God is trying to be annihilated in our culture? And how's it being done? It's being done through policies, political processes, is that not true? But I never dreamt, honestly, never dreamt that we'd ever see the Bibles burnt in my lifetime like they were in Portland, Oregon last week. See, this, this is offensive to a secular culture. Because it calls us to live a certain way that's not acceptable to them. It's a collision of wisdoms. One is sensual, the other is spiritual. And so most of our policies and practices and procedures in our country are written by sensual people. People of the mind and of the emotions and all the cognitive processes without reference to the word of God or spiritual wisdom that comes from God by way of impartation of the Word of God into every one of us as his people. So we're gonna have to I believe this say I could hardly believe it. I was I was speaking about the Word of God somewhere else a number of weeks ago, and I said, I wonder if it'll ever happen, will it ever come to a place of burning the Bible again? This isn't happening somewhere way away. It's happening in our North American culture. Because the scriptures and the truth that is in the scriptures is offensive to a culture that is fully effeminate. Effeminate means soft. Means we've gone soft. I'm not advocating hardness or harshness. I'm advocating that all infirmities that we are carrying today, that they be eliminated and be replaced with firmity. Where God came to the person that had a, an infirmity 18 years and that infirmity bowled that woman over like this and Jesus spoke a word said, you be delivered from your infirm condition. And she stood straight up. She stood straight up. We need to ask ourselves a question, have I gone soft as a child of God? And I am living with infirmities that doesn't have anything to do with sickness. It's just spiritual sickness. It's soul sickness. We are on the inside of it. We say, God, i become so soft. i become so complacent. I, my life of truth has been replaced with compromise. My mom told us as five kids, if you compromise, you never win. The entire political process of our world is governed by compromise. Is that not true? Now my text this morning is found in Proverbs chapter uh, 28, verse number 1. It has helped to put a rod up my backbone as a servant of the Lord and one who declares the word of God. And it says simply this, the title of these thoughts this morning is who's running from whom. Now I don't know what's on the screen so I'm just gonna guess what's up there. But I'm gonna go to the next slide that says, the wicked man flee though no one pursues him. But the righteous are as bold as a lion. Is that right there beside me, is that correct? The righteous are as bold as a lion. So now, when we begin to think of ourselves and we do an analysis, most Christians do not like bold people. Can I say that one more time? I didn't say people outside the kingdom. I said most Christians do not like bold people. Okay, could I try that one more time this morning? And I'm an advocate this morning in this house To bring a word that God would infuse and impart a holy boldness into every one of us as children of God here today. But he will never force it on any one of us. Never. But he invites us to walk with him. Now, this is a declarative statement made in the Proverbs. says, the wicked man flees, so no one is chasing them or no one is pursuing them different translations are there that it says, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. Is there any righteous people in the house this morning? I mean, come on, just check it out. You're gonna have to self-identify here this morning. Righteous or non-righteous, which which are we so for those of us that you know we this we're this we got a people pleasing spirit, we need deliverance in this room this morning. Because if we're going to impact and infect culture we are going to have to some kind, have some kind of a new resolution on the inside of us to stand up for what the Word of God stands for in this generation. And I need to stand because of my children. Because of our grandchildren. This has got to be one of the most unselfish things we do as men and women of God. We must stand in the gap and make up the hedge for the next generation and the ensuing generation. Come on, help me out this morning. Is that not true? If you do not have children this morning, you will not identify with what I'm saying. If you do not have grandchildren or great-grandchildren, you will not identify with what I'm seeking to communicate here this morning. But we're dealing with decisions that are being made that are generational. And you and I must stand up. Look what the scripture says in, in the message version. The wicked are edgy with guilt, ready to run off even when no one is after them. Isn't that interesting? doesn't seem to be that way today. Honest people are relaxed and confident and bold as lions. Another translation, New Living Translation, the wicked run away when no one is chasing them but the godly are as bold as lions. And to that I have a slide that says yes. Is there a yes slide in front of you today? Can somebody say yes? Yes. The book, see, that's called alignment. I'm coming into alignment with what he said. And I say, yes. Yes. The righteous are as bold as lions. And everybody said, yes. Hmm. Now wait till tomorrow when the test comes to see whether uh, there's any boldness that's uh, going on and in and through our lives because the enemy's out to intimidate us in this season, big time silence us, shut us down, put us in a box. Is that not true? So what are we going to do about it? Well, we won't throw caution to the wind nor discretion. But there's another slide here that says in the NIV, the righteous man flees, so no one pursues. But the wicked are as bold as a lion. I wonder where that translation came from. Honest people are edgy with guilt, ready to run off when no one is after them. The wicked are relaxed and confident and bold as lions. That's called Ken's translation. Are you seeing that in front of you? The godly run away when no one is chasing them, but the wicked are as bold as lions. These are all, I've spun the scripture as to the way it's really happening in culture. I've spun the top one, and the NIV has spun the bottom one. And what I've done is I've put my own translations in there. I'm taking full credit for it, as you see. I'm not trying to pass it off on anybody and blame somebody for something. But the bottom line is this, the godly run away when nobody's chasing them. But the wicked are as bold as lions. There needs to be some kind of a yes on that. My mom said to me when I was growing up, she said, Ken, there will come a time in your life when people will become brazen. Do you know what the word brazen means? Check it out. B R A Z E N. It's called boldness on steroids, is what it is. You can go back to Moses' time, the brazen serpent, all those kinds of things. And in my mother's language and in her vocabulary, she said that. You know, in 1976, when I was pastoring here at Calvary Temple with uh, Charles Ben we went up to Osgood Hall to listen to Dr. Francis Schaeffer speak. Does anybody know who I'm speaking about? Dr. Francis Schaefer. And he is a philosopher, a believing philosopher uh, from Brie in Switzerland. And uh, one of my dreams in life was to go and spend uh, a sabbatical and sit uh, at the feet of this man and be taught to think and, and to operate as a believer in the 21st century church. But Charles Ben and I, by the way, Charles Ben and his wife Esther just celebrated their 60th anniversary two days ago. Isn't that something? And uh, yeah. And so, the but the beautiful thing, Charles and I, we got there and, and we were about maybe 10 rows up. Osgood goes up like that. It was an amphitheater. And the gentleman, I had a stool there, but it's gone. He was sitting on the stool, the beard, and his socks pulled up, you know, and he had those... T- those high-cut boots that they are all in style today. That's what he had. Then he had those socks, you know, that they they wear up in the mountains there in Switzerland. And I'll never forget even the picture of them. And right in the middle, I was one of the youngest uh, people in the room. So he chose to pick on me. So he said, you, you, son, sitting right back there. And so I looked around and he said, no, you. He said, you're going to be alive in Canada's culture when your nation will seek to have any moral absolutes. 1976. He wrote a book that we all should read and we should have our young adults read and our children read it or we should know it as parents. It's called, How Should We Then Live? If you've never read it, we nurtured mission teams for years. That had to be a part of their training process so that God can begin to think through us as people with biblical worldviews, as a culture, as, as our culture has been disintegrating ever since that man spoke to it even prior even to that. So what have we got here? Do you know that as being a part of a council to government over the years, they told us one day that, you know, there'll be no morality that will be a part of any political agenda. So now you have your politicians, you vote them in, and they don't have to take any stand on morality. And we Christians, conservative Christians, we want them to take a stand on morality. Well, what they've done is they've taken morality out of the political agenda and say, we're politicians, you men of God are gonna have to be the ones that speak up on behalf of this. So if you're looking for morality from your politicians, they're not gonna talk about it because they won't get the votes. Do you understand what I just said? It's called political process. that's what's happening. So guess what? And we've got pastors that have become more political, and men and women that lead the house of God, we become more political in our stance than we are biblical. And take the authority of Scripture, guess what? The endeavor is to silence our voice through intimidation. So what if they no longer, we can get credit for our giving? They threaten us, you know, if you're going to go this way, we're going to take away the the charitable status for a local church and I'll be the first one to jump off a platform and say, praise the Lord. Now the people of God will begin to give with a pure motive. Not an income tax receipt at the end of the year. We don't need it. If They hold that over us. Do we need to have that held over us? Some people just give because, well, it's it's a smart thing to do. I'm going to give and I'm going to get back. Hey, That's not the way the kingdom works. We give, we release it in Jesus' name whether we get credit for it or not. Is that not true? So they want to hang that over us. They're going to tax our properties. And? (laughs) So. Is God not bigger than those things? I heard these guys singing that first song today. We almost all left the room. We almost, like, if you believe in a rapture, we almost left. The presence of God in the song was being sung was trying to, was trying to impart something to us this morning. The, in, all the worship this morning was about warfare and battle cry and standing and positioning ourselves. This message is in keeping with what they sang. It's a call in the spirit realm. The righteous are as bold as lions. Sounds good in the four walls of a local church, doesn't it? Is this where the extent of our boldness is? Inside walls where we feel comfortable with everybody? That's where we want all signs and wonders and miracles to happen too. 90% of the signs and wonders and miracles in the New Testament scriptures never happened in a building. That happened through the people of God. Not on show that I'm anointed, that I've got a gift. Oh, that's all nonsense. That's a 20th century church. We've been delivered from that. We're not going back there. We're believing God for the people of God to be empowered and to be released. And signs and wonders and miracles shall follow those that believe in the name of Jesus. How many believers in the house? Well, there's six or seven of us anyways. So anyways, as I keep working through this, And I look at this scripture, it says the last part, the godly run away when no one is chasing them but the wicked are as bold of lions. So I've got another one up there, it's called no. Can anybody see no? Can we say no? No. So today, the end of our message is gonna be yes or no. It's not a complicated word. It's kind of a one that we just need to make some decisions. Now, everything I've said, I wanna put a caveat in. You never throw caution to the wind. We're talking about exercising this kind of boldness with the wisdom of God also being at work in every one of our lives. Let's go to the next slide, please. You remember uh, this scripture in Isaiah or the song that we used to sing, be bold, be strong for the Lord your God is with you. Does anybody remember that song? Who remembers? Well, we don't sing it anymore. But we need to, I think we need to get it back out, Derek. Be bold, be strong, for the Lord our God is with us. I'm not afraid. I'm not ashamed. I am not dismayed. Because I'm walking in faith and victory. Because I'm walking in faith and victory. Because I'm walking in a faith and a... Yeah. Because I'm walking in faith and... Come on now. Because we're walking in faith and victory. We sang about it this morning. Is that not true? Amen. So when when we look at this in this song, I, I would like to maybe take a golden oldie and, uh, and bring it back. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 41 and verse 10 on our next slide. The song was taken from the word of God. That's where most songs should be taken from as the believers in Christ. So do not fear Ken. Do not fear Desert Stream. Why? Because I am with you. And do not be dismayed, because I am your God. I will strengthen you, and I will help you, and I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And can somebody say amen? Yeah. When I was in Belleville Pastoring, we used to quote that, we used to sing that song all the time. But you know, in times of where the enemy could come against me with fear, the scriptures, the holy scriptures that I've got on the inside, Holy Spirit comes and puts his finger on it. And he goes, don't forget, Ken, don't fear. Even in this season of COVID, people don't fear. He said, it's easy for you to say no, because the Lord says, I'm with you. Come on. Come on. When you take this arm and that arm and you wrap it around yourself, this, can you do this with me? Say this after me, because I, I am with you. It may seem weird to you, but come on, you guys, come on, you're not that macho, come on. This is the way God wants you to respond to him. Let him wrap his arms. For He says, I am with you. Yes. Is that not true? That's old testament. Let me go into the new testament. He says, one further I could add it here. It says, I am in you. <laughs> That's another reason why we're not to be paralyzed by fear in this season. And he says, because I will strengthen you and I will help you with my righteous right hand. May I ask you, who is the righteous right hand of God the Father? Who is it? I can't. What's his name? Jesus. He is a righteous right hand of the Father. Is that not? And he lives and abides on the inside of us. You invited him in. He's there. So we, not to be afraid. We are to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Let's go on to the next slide. This is just a, I love big cats. I've traveled the world and I've got all kinds of pictures. If you came to my basement, I've got cats from all over the place, big cats. I just think they're incredible creatures and I'm, uh, I'm, uh, I'm enamored by them. And the thing of it is, it's about a lion. Do you know that the lion, talking about a creature that knows who he is? <laughs> I mean, if there's anybody that knows who he is, it's a lion. They call him the king of the jungle. Right. Listen carefully, he's not the biggest in the jungle. That's right. I've been beside some elephants that are twice and a half my height that hardly fit on the platform. That's how, that's how big they are. I beside giraffe that they, I don't know if they'd get through that door. They did, they'd have to go way down, duck and under, and their heads would hit the roof. I've been right beside rhinoceroses that, that maybe uh, come from that desk right over to here, like 10 to 12 feet long. They're huge creatures. My wife and I woke up one day uh, down in Southern Uganda, and we looked outside and there were uh, a set of hippopotami. I mean, these things are like box cars, man. Like they're huge and they're right out, right out there, you know, and all those big creatures, even the Cape Buffalo and all those things, they're, they're all bigger than the lion, but they're all animals that eat grass. The lion is a carnivore. And he seeks out all those things. You see movies on YouTube of him bringing down everything. Have you watched any YouTubes on lions uh, tracking down crocodiles? <laughs> Pouncing on them from behind. They know exactly where to go. Taking this and swimming with a crocodile in their mouth across to another place. You begin to begin to understand this. Right, this lion is a bold creature. And he doesn't really understand his size. Do we understand? Are we wanting to get bigger or are we just happy with what we are? Because if we feel small, we're only small in our own eyes. And that's a lying spirit. And that's how he lied to the 10 when he sent the 12 spies. A lying spirit came to him and said, There are giants in the land and, 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 and they're, ho, ho, they're so big we're no match for them. Then you got Joshua and Caleb said, we're able to go up and take the country, possess the land from Jordan to the sea. Though the giants may be there our way to Hinda, God's going to give us a victory. So we have to ask ourselves the question in the 21st century church, do we have the spirit of the 10? And this is where we get our democracy from. Well, it was 10 to 2. The majority is right, not in this case. It's not how God works. Kingdom theology is a lot different than democracy that we live in every day the two. We're seeing the way God wants them to see him. So we need to ask ourselves in this day, am I seeing the way the media wants me to see? Or am I seeing the way God's word wants me to see? And how am I to conduct myself in this culture at this time in the 21st century? Are we hiding in our homes? Are we intimidated? Are we being pressed down? And if you have a propensity to fear, this COVID will eat your lunch. We've got to take a hold of this thing and wrestle it to the ground in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Because it's the biggest giant to face the world. Any loss of life from a nurse's vantage point and a pastor's vantage point, one life loss is too much. But at the same time, this cannot cannot be allowed to cripple global culture. So what are we going to do about it? Well, I guess maybe keep doing more of what we've done. And that's uh, nothing. I don't know if you've ever watched that movie. Some of the language might offend some of you, but uh, The Rising Sun, who's the guy that's in that? The guy with Die Hard, Bruce Willis. And he says that the last caption, it goes off the movie. He says, when good men and women keep silent. He's talking about the violence in Cameroon, killing hundreds of people. He talks about good men and women keeping silent. The people of God, it's not time for us to be silent. It's time for us to be wise and vocal. Come with me to the next slide. and We're going to go up to the New Testament in Acts chapter 4 and 13. Is this helping anybody today? One. Okay, I'm just. I got that one hand. That's all I need to keep me going. It wasn't Kevin, so I don't know what to do about that. But how about Acts chapter 4, verse number 13? Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, they perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men. <laughs> and they marveled, and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. I can't hear you. And with Jesus. You say, well, I need to get my PhD, my master's, my BA, my, my doctorate of divinity before I have everything to say. No, 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 no. Twelve men taken from everyday life. Tax collectors, fishermen, carpenters, carpenters, helpers. All those kinds of things. All that God is looking for, people that can say yes. So here's what the scripture says. This is not Ken Gill. Now when they saw, oh my goodness, can somebody say saw? That means the boldness was visible. Because we can get into prayer meetings, and we can take on things, and we can go for it, mm-hmm. pull down strongholds, and mm-hmm. we can do it all, and we walk outside, and we're just like pussycats. Our boldness usually ends at the door of a local church, or it ends at the door of our house, and we walk back out into a compromising culture how are we going to handle them these days? So it says they perceive, that's something that's very important, that we as believers begin to operate in New Testament spiritual perception. Our perceptor needs to be very alive, very alive. When I was training leaders for uh, over a quarter of a century, I would do six to eight hours on the importance of spiritual perception in the life of a child of God. Perception is an indicator of, pretty well anybody that's spiritual. When God activates my spirit, he gives me an ability, it's like a sixth sense, the ability to see the way that not everyone else is seeing. Bible says that Moses perceived, Joshua perceived, David perceived, Isaiah perceived, Jeremiah perceived, Matthew perceived, Peter perceived, Paul perceived, Jesus perceived. And he's wanting to raise up a bunch of people that we are spiritual perceptors in the 21st century. We see by the Spirit. You say, now you're getting spooker natural. No, this is all Bible all Bible. Look what it says here. And they perceived that they were ignorant and unlearned men. So these were people that were religious, not necessarily even born again. They were anti the apostles, said that they marveled. And here it was, they took knowledge of them that had been with Jesus. So guess what? I deduce from this, that any time that I spend time with Jesus in his word, fellowshipping with others. The intent of that encounter is for him to infuse into my spirit, man, more boldness than I've ever known. It's an impartation, church. It's an impartation. May the Holy Spirit write upon these words. Next part of the slide. The 21st century church Who wants to be perceived as being ignorant or unlearned? See, we replace the anointing with education. We have no permission to do that. Am I anti-education? Absolutely not. Pro-education. I'm learning every day. I take as many courses as I can. I'm a student. I'll be a student till I die. Ask my wife. I'm reading and studying. I'm attending. I'm subjecting myself. I'm sitting under people that are more brilliant than myself. But the thing of it is, is he's not looking for education to make us. He's looking for us to understand New Testament anointing and stop living in an Old Testament anointing. Everybody's always wanting this anointing to come down on us. Like, come on, let's get out of that way of thinking. Why would we want anointing to fall on us when we have the anointed one living and abiding within us? Come on. Is it going to be 20th century thinking for this house or 21st century thinking? Oh, God, just anoint me. God, just... I understand the poetic expression and the prayers, but I always want to make a statement, if Christ is living and abiding in you, if you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, you are anointed of God. And all he's saying is he's just saying this, he's just saying, "Please, will somebody let me out?" So he wants us to go to work as anointed, say, "Well, no, Kevin's more anointed than me, no." He's just said yes to God maybe a few more times. Oh, Barry's more anointed. He's got that, perf- no, no. He's probably just said yes to God. Oh, that Wayne Levy, he gets a- no, he's probably just said yes to God. It's all about our yes. Yeah. Yeah, right. How often are we gonna say yes? Somebody will say to me, Ken, what's been the secret to any ministry success you've had? I say yes. I'm not about to argue with God because I don't know more than him. I want to be with that crew of ignorant and unlearned, but I've been with Jesus and Jesus is with me, and I want to take Jesus everywhere I go. Is that not true? And they perceive, and so when we look at this, the 21st century church, who wants to be perceived as being ignorant or unlearned? We want to be known as brilliant and learned. Our pride will not permit us. That's why pride is like a cancer. We don't know we've got it until it's on the inside, and it's eating our lunch and eating our body. It's only two ways to deal with spiritual pride. Only two ways. That's a cobalt treatment of God's word and the chemotherapy of the place of prayer. That's the only way humility can be a part of my life is pride must be dealt a death blow. And the word of God keeps us in check. And the chemotherapy of the place of of the work of the Holy Spirit, he keeps infusing humility into our hearts. And from humility, these apostles got up. They said, you guys got to stop preaching. They said, we're not stopping preaching. When we let you out of this jail, you got to say that you're going to stop preaching in Jesus' name. And they just did this. And they squared their shoulders back and said, we ought to obey God rather than man. Say, so you're advocating for rebellion. Not at all. I'm advocating for a reformation of God's people to rise up and become the church of Jesus Christ that he's intended us to be. Is that not true? I wonder. I ask myself the question. Next part of the slide: Do people ever perceive that I've been with Jesus? I think that's the greatest question this morning. What do people perceive when they're around us? I've gone over time. You're going to have to forgive me. I think you've done that quite a bit, but over the years. Next slide, please, and I'll wind this thing up. Acts four twenty nine. Now, Lord. Behold their threats. I've had people call me from all over the world asking me questions of what do I see, what's happening in this time, this season. When somebody asked me the other you see persecution on the rise against the church? Do you see it when a time of preparation for the second return of Jesus Christ? And I said, yes and no. The Bible promised us in Galatians 6.19 that all who will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. That's a promise, but you won't get it in your promise block at home. They keep that one out. And what believers do not want is we do not be, perse- be persecuted. Well, we won't if we don't open up our mouths and stand up. We won't be persecuted. Just all of our rights and privileges will be taken away. And while the concentration camps were happening in Germany, the church was still singing. And now, Lord, behold their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness that we might speak your word. It's not your personality nor my personality. I have no authority in my name, but in God's word we have all authority. Is that not true? So if we take the word of God, it says in chapter 4, uh, 431. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they spoke the word of God with boldness. When you say, Ken, you said a lot about boldness. How do we get it? Thank you for asking. Next scripture. Ephesians says here that in whom we have boldness and access with confidence by faith in him. When we go to that scripture in Hebrews, it says, let us come boldly before the throne of grace that we might obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. What are we doing? Can you imagine? He says, I can come before the presence of an awesome God and I can come boldly. You know what the word boldly there means? It means with free utterance or free speech. And I can come boldly before the throne of grace. And I can come boldly and say, God, would you grant me grace and mercy to help in the time of need? And I come on behalf as an intercessor for my nation and for the church and the nation. And I intercede that God would restore boldness to his people. Let me try to wrap this thing up. Let me go to the next slide. This is the definition. You say, What is boldness? Well, here it is. Put the whole thing on there, son. Boldness defined, it means daring, it means ready to meet danger, it means courageous, it means fearless, it means cheeky. The Aussies and the Kiwis and the Brits like that be cheeky. We Christians, we don't like cheeky people. Why is it that the worship leaders have been singing more songs on courage and bravery than we've ever heard in my lifetime? Why is it this young lady sitting on the front bench here? No, seriously. She's gonna need a different kind of bravery than I've had. To not just live, but to walk as a child of God. My prayer this morning is God would impart bravery into this audience. You say, well, you only need that when you go to war. People of God, we're in a war. He didn't call us to a playground, he called us to a battlefield. You don't put armor on to go to the playground. You put the armor on to go to war. People talk about a third world war. Guys, it's already happening. Corrupt nations around the world said, we'll destroy America, Canada and all the America, we'll destroy them morally. There's been an agenda to get us to where we are. What is going to be our agenda as a church of Jesus Christ? I believe we must stand up. First of all, get up. Sit up. Stand up. Speak up. Say, well, what what, what if I lose my life? No big deal. That's the only thing anything you can do is take my life then. Go for it. But every one of us in here, we're indestructible while carrying out the will of God. Amen. Totally. Those of you who are battling fear, why? He that fears is not made perfect in love. So I just gotta, when fears come my way, I'm like David. When I am afraid, I will trust in the Lord. I'm not not dispelling. The fears are not real. They are real. But what are we going to do with them? Are they going to paralyze us? Or are we going to say, fear, you take your rightful place. I'm a child of God, and I'm walking on in the love and the compassion of the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah. Do you guys ever talk to yourself? You don't want to talk about that this morning, do you? Come on, Jerry. We talk to ourselves. Do you ever catch yourself talking to yourself? I mean, you say, why am I, why am I so afraid? What's our self talk? Why am I so afraid? Hope thou in God. I'm almost done. Look what it says brave, valorous. How about this one? It used to be Chrysler, it used to have a car, it was called the Intrepid. Does anybody remember those Intrepid cars? I never knew what the word intrepid meant. I saw it on the back of the car, I had to go figure out what it meant. It means to be free from fear or trepidation, it means to be undaunted. And filled with courage. Wow. And it means to be bold faced. <laughs> it means that we are to face culture with intelligence and godly boldness that God will put in our hearts. And when, when I come to that and I see what the scripture is saying, I go down, let's go down two slides, and I've got this other the word, what's the word, two slides? What's it say up there? Can somebody say yes? Yeah. All right, then I'm, I'm, I am really am coming down, done. Look at the next scripture. This is the one I really believe that God wanted me to lay out in this congregation. I've never spoken about this that I can ever remember publicly in my life. The wicked put up a bold front, but their upright give thought to their ways. And that is a counterbalance to what I'm trying to communicate here this morning. A very, very important scripture. The wicked put up a bold front, What do you do when you live a life of lie, a life of manipulation? You're just waiting to get caught. Is that not true? Because you know you've done wrong. We've crossed the line. That's why we have a conscience. Why, if we're going to take something or steal something, do we look around to see if anybody's in the room when the room's empty? Come on. Nobody's around, but we're checking out. Well, it's because my conscience is doing a 360, trying to protect me from stealing that which is not mine. Let's go to the next one, the next slide. Can we go to the next slide, son? Look what it says here. This is our confidence this morning. There is no wisdom. There is no insight. There is no plan. Worship team, did you hear that this morning as you were singing about it? There is no wisdom. There is no insight. There is no plan that can succeed against the Lord our God. Can somebody say, wisdom, no wisdom, no, wisdom. no insight, no, no, plan. Plan. No, plan. no plan, no plan, no insight, no. that can succeed against the Lord our God. So what should that do for us? Well, I we really don't know what's going to happen. Or do we get back to the scriptures, say, no wisdom, no plan no insight, can succeed against the Lord our God. Yes or no? Yes or no? We're not sure about that, are we? Not a trick question, I'm not a trickster. So yes or no? No plan. Is that what it says, Barry? Cheryl, does it say no plan or does it say maybe some plans? Does anybody, is anybody reading with me? It says no. no. Can you tell me what no means? What's it mean, Sherry? Nil not, not nothing. There you, go. there you go. No plan. Can we say no plan? no plan? Guys, you know there's plans going on behind the scenes. You know that people are operating in full-on sensual wisdom in these days. But the scripture says there's no plan that can succeed against our God. And last but not least, the last slide, here it is, I'm done, I promise. Here it is. I believe God wants to impart today courage in the midst of adversity. And you've got three different items. David, when he faced Goliath. You know, does size matter? Not to David, not to God. How dare you? How dare you mock God? I can see him like down here and Goliath's up there. He's probably 13 feet, seven inches tall right? His spear was weighed more than David. And he looks up. So guess what? We're facing some Goliaths. What are we going to do? We're going to run? Gonna, oh, maybe we'll, we'll put on Saul's armor. That, that'll do it. And David said, quickly, get this stuff off me. God's got something suited up for me. And his anointing in your life is tailor-made for you, right. your personality your spirit, man, your gift mix. Ah, ooh, isn't that good? <laughs> the anointed one, he works through your personality. He works through the gifts that he's deposited in you. without asking you? <laughs> isn't that good? I know you want to get going home, but how about Daniel and the heathen kings? Daniel better stop praying. So we went in every day at three o'clock in the afternoon. He opened up the window. Why would you do something like that? That's one thing you know, to go in and just close the door and pray so nobody can hear you. Now he, he kneels down. He opens up the window. Most of us pray pussycat prayers. Oh, dear Jesus, would you please help me? They're sick. We've got to open up the window, lift up our voice be ignited by our spirit. Sovereign God of all creation. He identifies with God himself. He opens up his mouth. Would there be Daniels in this room? You'd arise in Jesus' name. Could there be some Davids in this room, male or female? Arise in Jesus' name. Last but not least. The pressure of a 21st century church. They tried to annihilate the word, annihilate the apostles. They tried to kill every one of them. They did. But the seed of the word of God went into the ground. And I'm asking today, is there anybody in this room who sense can... I need an impartation of courage and bravery and boldness. If that's you, stand to your feet and lift your hands up to God and say, I'm here and I need God to come and visit me today. And lift your hands up, lift them up. Kevin, come on right up here and join me. We lift your hands right up there as far as you can lift them up. And we're just gonna ask God. We come together. Father, as a friend of this house, As a servant amongst your people. For this congregation I come. And I join myself together with the elder of this house. Let there come an impartation of divine courage. Into the very loins of this body. A new courage. Yes. Father. Release divine bravery. Yes into the hearts of everyone watching and everyone that is in this body today. Be bold, be strong, be brave. And Father, last but not least, we stretch our hands over this, your people. Release holy boldness amongst the people of God. Welcome, welcome him in. Welcome that impartation. Welcome that divine infusion of spirit life. In the name of Jesus, and for your honor and for your glory, infuse your people. In the name of the Father, in the name of his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and in the name and in the power of the Holy Spirit. Yes, Lord.
0: Everybody say yes. Yes. We need to say yes to the Lord in every situation and every circumstance. Life is easy when you say yes to the Lord and no to the world. Doesn't mean you won't encounter hard times, won't doesn't mean you won't have opposition, but the Bible says many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of the hand of how many? All of them. That's right. When we say yes. When we say yes to him. You know, you bet, guys, have been great today. We're so grateful, Ken, for that word this morning. And I just encourage you to reinvest in it, get into the word this week. You know, uh, I've often wanted to get a tattoo on my shoulder, and I wanted to get a lion. And I was going to have Proverbs 28 right underneath it. It says, The righteous are bold as a lion. And my wife and I have been in negotiation about it because she said, if I get a tattoo, it can't show below my shirt sleeve. She doesn't want to see it unless I'm at the beach or something. So, but, but I've always wanted to get that, you know, because I, I believe that that is a statement of who we are, that the righteous are as bold as a lion. Amen? And God wants us to go out of these back, back doors this morning as bold people for Him. Amen? Can you do that this week? Praise the Lord. Father, we just thank you for this wonderful day. We thank you, Father, for this word today. We take it to our heart, Lord, that you have called us to boldness, not to timidity, that, Father, you have called us in this day and in this hour to know who we are and to who, uh, to whom we belong so that we can go forward, Lord, and be as bold as a lion. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Hey, everybody. Pastor Kevin Dowling here from Desert Stream. Just giving a shout out to you and saying thanks for joining us this week. We trust that you received something out of what was shared today, and we hope that it spoke to you and that it encouraged you in this season that we find ourselves in. You know, you could do us a big favor if you would just uh, share, uh, like, uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Let people know that there's a place that you found that you're getting an encouragement and hope each and every week. We hope you plan to check in with us next week, be a part of our expression again, and help spread the word that God is in control in the midst of this season.